The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thursday night edition of the pod. We're going to preview the East Finals. Also got to get to some news here as well. And then we'll also do a look at the offseason for the New Orleans Pelican. Almost said Hornets. Wow, that was bad. Let's start, though, by catching up on what is going on around the league. Starting, Danny, with a coaching hire in Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte hired. They didn't go on the North Carolina tree. They hired Spurs assistant James Borrego. Pronunciation could be suggested if, if it is if it is. Bar- or something else like that and I don't know it admittedly a ton about about him other than his presence on the Spurs bench but this was a remarkable year not necessarily with there was I believe the Bucks job where five different people in the Spurs organization were interviewed and so this is the first of that group to get a head coaching position somewhere else in the league yeah and I think uh, Borrego had a largely forgettable stint as interim coach for the Magic I'm not sure that that particularly played in his favor that, that of course was not a good Magic team at the time but i would be hard pressed as well to really say what he stands for other than that he has some head coaching experience as the interim and he was on the, <laughs> i mean it, it, uh, i don't know him that much personally not a guy who's really been in the limelight there wasn't much discussion of like particularly what he was responsible for the spurs uh I, I think a guy who was respected and had certainly had some interviews previously and it's, I, I made this point on twitter the other day that a lot of times you probably wonder well why is it that these tweets about coaches getting interviewed like you know why do agents kind of call in favors for that kind of stuff? And the reason is that nobody actually knows who's going to be a good coach until they've coached. And sometimes even when they have coached, they don't look good. Like in their next stop, like Vogel in Orlando, for example, all the things that characterize Frank Vogel in Indiana, he wasn't really able to do those in Orlando. And so when there is a vacuum of information, simply the idea that someone is getting interviews in other places is a currency all its own, right? It's just like, oh, well, if other people see something in this guy and want to interview him, then you know there must be something good about it. Maybe we should interview him. I think there's a lot lot of that to it and so uh, i'm not saying that's the case with Borrego. i have no idea whether he's going to be a good coach in charlotte or not i i can freely say that uh but certainly you'd have to imagine the fact that he got some other interviews you know, and maybe people don't know the extent of those interviews whether it's over the phone whether he's coming out there for two days who knows uh with some of these guys but i think this also an indication you know Borrego not really near the top of potential camp coaching candidate uh certainly in the, in the popular perception as a hot candidate and i think that is commensurate with where this charlotte job is right you and i talked about it on a patreon mailbag about where it ranks and i think we both had it pretty low not only due to the ownership situation which isn't necessarily great there but because the best player on the charlotte hornets might be gone pretty soon might be brago might not get much of a chance to coach kemba walker we'll have to see 
but it will be hard for them to improve. So this might be more of a rebuilding position that might buy them a little bit more time, which is always valuable, but it could be a really hard job. In Cleveland, despite their dominant victory over the Raptors, there's one person who probably wishes it weren't so dominant, and that's Rodney Hood, because it was such a blowout. He was out of the rotation for Jetty Osmond and then refused to enter the game when summoned in the fourth quarter. That angered a number of teammates. There are reports that a number of teammates were attempting to tell him, hey, uh, you know, you're screwing yourself over here, Rodney. Probably a good idea to go in the game. But he, he did not. There was a little bit of pushback later that, oh, maybe he was like feeling too stiff to go in and he's been dealing with injury issues or whatever. Uh, but just a terrible look. I mean, if you can't play in the game, you probably shouldn't be active. Uh, Hood eventually apologized to Kobe Altman. Remains to be seen where he's at uh, with the rest of his teammates, but someone who is not in the rotation, it almost doesn't really matter. And, and for the organizational standpoint, there's really no point in suspending him. Uh, it does seem to be, or, or finding him, it doesn't appear like he's on a path to necessarily be on this team next year. Uh, although I, I think it's, if LeBron leaves, it seems more likely that he would be back. Actually, I would say, Danny, you agree with that? It would certainly make the the financial part of it more viable because otherwise Hoods, because it ra- would ratchet up the luxury tax bill for Dan Gilbert. So yeah, I'd say that's fair. Uh, and also they would have a chance, even if they didn't really want him that much, to just keep him around on a, what would hopefully be a reasonable contract. He'd be one of their bigger scorers next year if LeBron were to leave. Uh, but for Cleveland, no reason to like anger him anymore, anger his agent with a, a fine, draw more attention to this. Uh, everyone knows that this happened. Pretty sad for Hood, uh, who frankly had not played well enough. And, and he's under a lot of pressure, to be sure. You know, as a free agent this year, I think I'm sure he was thinking that he was going to get some massive offer. We offered him a pretty big contract in the mock off season. He was averaging, you know, high teens when he was playing for Utah, just has not performed in Cleveland. So certainly, uh, this has not gone the second half season the way he would have been hoping. This is another interesting one. Paul George underwent an arthroscopic procedure on his left knee today, six to eight weeks. That seems like sort of your meniscus trim, your debridement, that kind of thing, uh, might shed some light on the fact that he was a little bit below where, uh, playoff P has been over the last few years in first round losses. It could, and he'll still be ready in plenty of time, of course, to, to, for next season. And we don't know where he's going to play. It could be in the city where he underwent his surgery, which was Los Angeles, but we don't know that at this point. And one piece of turnover that we do know for the Oklahoma City Thunder is that Nick Collison announced on Thursday that he is retiring. He has been with that organization for 15 years, made the transition from Seattle to Oklahoma City. And I was critical of the way that Oklahoma City used a roster spot on him this year just because they needed, I thought they needed more depth, but certainly a stalwart for the organization and went through some amazing changes of fortune during his time yeah, with the team. he was a team. rookie back in 03-04, played a number of years. Yeah, he was on that 05 team in Seattle. That was a renaissance with uh, Ray Allen and Charles Lewis, one of the more underrated offense in NBA history, that one kind of random blip here. Uh, they lost in the second round that year and sick to the, the Spurs. They played in college, of course, with Kirk Heinrich. He was uh, in the NCAA championship game. They lost to Carmelo Anthony and Syracuse that year in 2003. So great career for Collison. Also just a good lesson to young players that, hey, you know what? Be a good guy, be a good team guy, and you can extend your career. Giannis Haslam is another great example of this, of just by being a good mentor, uh, getting that reputation of being that type of guy, you can extend your career beyond perhaps where uh, your usefulness to actually helping the team game on the floor would end. Also noteworthy was Collison for being one of, I think, only two players I could think of where the loophole of renegotiating and extending a player's contract, giving them a big bonus, essentially, in the year it was renegotiated, and then having an extension that starts at a much lower number, sort of basically taking future cap space, or taking current cap space and using it to reduce future outlay. Same thing that the Sixers did with 
with Robert Covington going forward. And Collison's was so significant that they actually had to change right. the rule in the next collective bargaining agreement to tone it down. And so he is one of the rare players who has a CBA wrinkle that is specifically built on him, which is kind of cool. Uh, in other news, uh, my throat is pretty sore. I had to take a, a flight to the East Coast. That's never good on your throat. But I, I think it just, it has to be required that Kostakubis uh, has engaged his 2018-19 player option for over $8 million per season. Something that I don't think anyone's not coming. The only real logic to me of having him decline that option would have been if he just really didn't want to be in Sacramento. But Costa yeah. Kufos was not going to get eight million anywhere else. I don't even think he was going to get eight million over multiple seasons. Yes. So you take that money, you run. Maybe you maybe you pray for a Karan Butler, though I don't think that's going to happen. Karan Butler famously picked up his player option and then was cut by the Kings, which was an amazing play. And I don't think that's going to happen with Kufos. He's a nice bench player for them, and you know can can mix and match though i think they have too many damn centers but a good decision by him that's why you negotiate four player options and instead of team options and it is not jordan mickey's fault but he got a team option instead with the miami heat it was at the minimum but miami wisely decided to decline that so technically speaking he is an unrestricted free agent they could bring him back with non-bird rights but i would not expect to see jordan mickey on the miami heat next season. yeah mickey was the one i thought showed promise in his rookie year in the g league but uh due to maybe some injuries due to just not necessarily having the mentality was not a guy who's able to be that affected had a, a few moments of playing with the heat due to injuries but with miami have more than enough roster spots tied up in centers between Hassan Whiteside, kelly Olynyk, and bam Adebayo. and i think you could even just get a better free agent at the minimum if you need something more at center than what mickey gave them in the last year be interesting to see whether he catches on or not all right let's talk a little east finals here right after this from lending club whether it's unexpected repairs medical expenses credit card debt a little money can make a big difference and you can get it at lendingclub.com they give you access to low rates on loans of up to forty thousand dollars for almost any purpose back before i went to law school i had credit card debt and lending club would have been a great option to me back then certainly they offer lower rates than high interest credit cards much easier than going to a bank as well the process there you just go to lendingclub.com enter the amount of money you need and you can find out in minutes if you're approved pick the offer that's right for you and the money can be in your account in just days again a much simpler process than going to a bank they've been around for more than 10 years and they've helped millions of people with over 31 billion dollars in loans take charge of your finance today with lending club go to lendingclub.com slash cap space and you can check your rate for free checking your rate will not impact your credit score that's lendingclub.com slash cap space easy remember cap space we talk about cap space time here on the program lendingclub.com slash cap space all loans made by web bank member fdic equal housing lend so before we i was thinking about this actually i don't think we're going to spend as much time on this preview as we did on warriors rock as made into a separate episode but i was thinking about this after we recorded and i was hard pressed to think of many series if any series that between two evenly matched teams there is as much anticipation for uh as there should be for this series uh are there any just that you personally in terms of how much you're looking forward to it before the series can go back to think of danny it's hard because you have to balance a couple of different factors i mean the 2013 finals and the 2014 finals with the Cavs and the Spurs, or sorry the heat and the spurs lebron versus san antonio certainly fit in there the thunder in 2016 were not as great of a regular season group though they were really good but after how well they played against san antonio that was in the mix and then also it it gets lost in the shuffle because of how it ended due to injury but last year i mean the spurs were fabulous during the regular season and you and i questioned whether they would be able to hang with the warriors they did lead by i think it was 20 when Kawhi got hurt but this isn't on the short list to be sure 
And both teams also so strong on the offensive end, but then also capable defensively brings it to another level for me and gets it more in line with those Heat Spurs final. Yeah, I mean, some of these Golden State series, for example, I mean, they've been massive favorites in all these series. Like last year with the Cavs example, they were a big favorite. Uh, and this is pre-series too. I mean, obviously there are series that turned out to be awesome. Like Golden State was picked to win in five, I think by most analysts over OKC in 2016. That was a great series. They were picking in, in five probably by most people of Cleveland in 2016. Same thing with last year. So I, I would be more looking at the ones where it's like, okay, this might actually be considered a toss-up. I would probably have to go back to 13 Spurs, Heat, uh, 14 the Heat just, you know, were not nearly as good of it by that point. I mean, I think there was an, a perception they were dangerous, but I think most people had Spurs, Spurs at home quarters. Before that, I would probably say the 08 finals between the Lakers and the Celtics. By 10, those guys were, both of those teams were not as good. I think they were considered in 08. The other ones on my list when I first came up with it was Kings and Lakers in 02, and that was just fantastic. Lakers, Blazers in 2000 was another one that I think people were really, really into beforehand. And then a couple other series that you know ended up being blowouts, but at the time looked pretty good, was 01 San Antonio Lakers. San Antonio actually had home court in that series. They had won in 99. Duncan was hurt in 2000. Lakers won in, in 2000 and then had a Warriors-esque regular season in 01, but then picked up, of course, playoffs. Lakers ended up sweeping that, partially perhaps because uh, Derek Anderson was injured on a maybe a dirty play by Dewan Howard in the previous series against Mavs. Uh, and then a couple that KP mentioned, we were talking about this, uh, the two Sun Spurs series uh, in 05 and 07. And then I think Lakers Spurs in 04 would have to be another. But this is, I mean, this we, we get these series maybe, you know, once every two or three years that are this good. And I think I'm just so excited for this one for sure. And that's not an easy transition into the series we're going to talk about <laughs> for the next, next segment. Cavs Celtics, Boston does have home court in the series by virtue of a vastly superior regular season record. But Boston does not, of course, have their full complement of players. And I might have picked, gotten the time a little bit wrong because I used February 9th as the start date rather than because I don't know exactly when Cleveland incorporated their players. But the Cavs during that stretch from then to the end of the regular season, 115.5 points per 100 possessions, which is the second best offensive rating in the league during that time. They were 21st in defense, but that gets into the first part of that into what I think is the most important part of the series, which is can Boston slow down Cleveland? They can't stop it, but can they slow them down? And if so, or actually either way, can Boston score enough to win the series? They can certainly win individual games, but can they score enough to win the series? We know it's possible, barely, for Cleveland to be slowed down. Indiana did it. Now, Kevin Love, whether it was the recency of that finger injury they had suffered, some other issues, he was so much better in the Toronto series than he was in that Indiana series. I mean, they're going to, Boston is going to have to force Kevin Love into that type of a series. Uh, but I mean, I don't see that happening. I think Love is playing pretty well. He's had one series like that his whole time in, in Cleveland. I agree with you. I, mean, I think it's going to just be really difficult for Boston to done. Uh, I mean, we should probably start as we always have to with who will get the initial assignment on Bron James. Uh, I think that Tatum is going to be too light in the short to do that. Jalen Bron has really failed any time he's had to guard LeBron James in the post. He just, Bron is much better against smaller players using his length, using his quick feet than trying to body up, despite the fact that he looks pretty strong. Now, Marcus Morris is someone who has had more success against James bodying him up. Al Horford has not guarded James particularly well in the past, but I think when he's had the assignment on Giannis, Simmons done pretty well there. You know, he, he's someone you could think about with guarding James, but then, of course, your problem becomes who is going to guard Kevin Love, right? Is that going to Bane? Certainly, I think when, whenever, uh, I think Boston would do well to play more matchup basketball, start Horford, have put Baines in the game, basically, whenever Tristan Thompson's in, whenever his love is out of the game, you know, Bane could guard Jeff Green if, they, if they're if they going to go super small, or he could guard 
Tristram Thompson. Uh, and then you can, you, in those minutes, maybe you put Horford onto James. Uh, but I, I think Stevens, he usually has been pretty rigid with his rotation in terms of when he takes out Horford. I think it needs to be a lot more kind of matchup basketball that way. But, uh, you know, the, I think the problem too for Boston is while they have had some underrated offense games in this playoffs, they're going to struggle to score when Horford is off floor too. And Horford can't play as many minutes, James. That's going to be a big problem for them, just the, having enough minutes, especially if Shane Larkin in a different position. But if Larkin is limited, just having enough bodies that, that are capable of, of being a part of this series is going to be a big problem. I do like the number of guys that Boston can throw at LeBron, but I do not like any particular one-on-one matchup that well. That's just because LeBron is an absolute demon. No no disrespect meant to Morris or Horford yeah, or is another guy anybody else, who really. should mention, too, will be in the yeah, mix. Yeah, and, o- and Ojale, he will. And and the problem with Ojale is that I think either he's a more extreme version of Ananobi where having him out there on the floor makes it a lot easier for Cleveland defensively. I mean, because they, they'll just let Ojale shoot pretty much. And Cleveland can exploit non-factors offensively better than almost anybody because that's that's almost their entire MO. They don't do much defending, but they can they can do that. And so Ojale creates problems. And, and what, what are the other ones? Defending LeBron is always important, but I've been spending some time thinking about where Cleveland is going to put LeBron because my general assumption throughout these playoffs has been that LeBron usually doesn't guard the other team's best offensive forward. But that gets really challenging in this particular series because, you know, if they're starting Horford at the four, then, that, then you have the whole Horford versus Tatum part. But if even if they go in a different direction, if you don't put LeBron on Tatum, it, it creates some big problems because that's, do you want to put Corver on Tatum? That doesn't look like an advantage matchup. You could even slide J.R. Smith over, but then how do you handle Jalen Brown and all these other ones? So I think Cleveland's matchups are going to be hard. I don't think it's going to sink them at all in the series, but I want to see what Ty Lue wants to do. Yeah, they certainly like to avoid LeBron having to guard anyone who's a great shooter or who can do a ton one-on-one. Uh, I certainly think he's capable of guarding Tatum reasonably well, but yeah, and you mentioned the idea of Brown too, and Brown, his health is going to be a concern. He was on a minutes limit still for game five. Is this five days off? I guess it won't even be that, right? It really only be three days off. They start on Sunday. Is that going to be enough for him to be able to play more to really be explosive? I'm guessing probably not, especially because, you know, as he's playing with that hamstring injury, I mentioned, of course, that he's he's kind of finding a way to fight through it. And, you know, the way you do that is by playing at 75% speed so that you don't make an explosive movement that's going to injure it. But you're still going to have little tweaks to it throughout the game where, you know, I think the more he plays, the longer it's going to take him to recover. So I don't expect him to be fully recovered from a mere three days off, uh, but they really need his scoring. And you mentioned that Cleveland doesn't have a ton of depth as far as guys to defend on the wing. And between Tatum and Brown, they should have guys who, at least one of those guys, should have a favorable matchup at all time. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be really difficult for Boston is trying to defend in the post. You mentioned that Brown is not that good at it. I think Tatum is, is going to be a little too skinny. And Boston is going to want to avoid switching, to be sure, but Cleveland will be going at them hard if it's going to be Rozier against LeBron. It was going to be Marcus Smart against LeBron. Smart tries hard, but he can certainly get into foul trouble. We saw last year that Kevin Love just completely brutalized Marcus Smart in the post. He's sort of the, he and James are kind of the tipping point at which Smart, despite all of his strength and intensity, just still doesn't quite have the physical size to deal with a player like that. Uh, which At 6'3", it's amazing he can even get up to close to that level. So there are going to be guys that they can go after. And then, of course, what do you deal with? Who are you going to help off of? Boston will do the best possible job of that. Uh, but there are only so many ways that you can try to help uh and i think they'll also be in decent shape to try and deal with some of that screening action out of the corner which zach Lowe wrote a nice piece on we've been talking about that for a long time between love and corver uh whether you can av- 
avoid the switch on that play or not that's going to be another really difficult thing to deal with so I, I think you know if they had Gordon Hayward as well with his size and then there was really only Kyrie that you were looking at as like all right this guy's a massive liability against Love or LeBron down low they might be a little bit better off uh, and obviously offensively as well but I think they're just they're gonna have to be a few too many small guys out there for Boston a, a lot of these times this is also going to be a big opportunity for both George Hill and Terry Rozier Rozier you know has looked good overall in the playoffs and George Hill get after getting back big part of the game seven win against Indiana and then I thought he would did a nice job overall he, he looked in the series really Strano. Spry in that game for I mean, he was like going between yes. his legs like losing dudes with spin moves getting to the room and finishing he had a couple of dunks I think in the first quarter uh so it, yeah if, if they're getting that level of player because they it, it is nice to be able to have one other guy who can attack off the dribble off a closeout again right and it, it, it also gives Cleveland some non-LeBron options in terms of running actions and I'm not saying Boston will struggle to shut those down but it, it, it'll give them another look in case LeBron wants to do his vaunted resting during games that would be an, an, an option for it and I feel like maybe this is transitioning into picks I feel like I've undersold Boston in my head a lot during these even though I did pick them to beat the Bucks, a lot of that was just me not trusting the Bucks ended up being well-founded but anyway so I I feel like there is an element of that but they also are facing a team now that has a much better idea of how they succeed and has personnel that fits it whereas the Sixers as good as and as talented as they are and we saw some of this in game five which which they lost that they were still figuring it out and so I think some of those advantages this might even be an analog of even though the Celtics were not this team in the regular season of one of those kind of teams that overachieved relative to their talent level and then and then has to face it in the playoffs when they when they are up against a different kind of team yeah and we thought that that team would be philly it was not uh but boston's home court they are six and zero at home including a few pretty miracle win uh they, they've definitely boston has pulled it out in close games but if the games are close down the end i this is lebron james now this is one of the greatest clutch team of all time this cavaliers team uh certainly that is continued into the playoffs i don't think that the brad stevens advantage is going to be as useful when you've got lebron james now uh, on the other side so uh, and boston has been winning a lot of these games close with superior execution down the end the home court we know that lebron james is not going to be phased by that he started plenty of series on the road in the east conference in his rear no issues whatsoever we saw what they did to boston in the first games in boston last year so i don't think boston can rely on home court anymore and worth noting that boston is only one in four on road in these playoffs so i'm uh i'm gonna pick a sweep i think the Cavs. uh i one of my worst beat in these predictions was not getting a sweep last year they the Cavs somehow lost that game three uh, at home after isaiah was already declared out for the series but that was the sweepiest gentleman sweep that's ever sweeped last year uh, and uh i think i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna go with five a little show of respect to the to the celtics and what they have accomplished i think horford could end up having a big game you know celtics role players can put it together and they can certainly win one game at the garden now if it's 2-0 going back to cleveland i don't think we'll get a redux of last year which you just talked about as a bad beat but so i'm gonna go cleveland in five and i'm fully prepared to to feel a little bit stupid about it but you know i'm, I'm good with it at least for right now yeah and maybe i think like this year's Boston team is definitely better equipped then than last year's team that even with the Eve bradley obviously isaiah hobble game jake crowder you know those guys all been upgraded more defensively when you're talking about playing against cleveland in particular they've got ojale now as well shane larkin's not gonna play that i think that'll just be good that'll mean more ojale save stevens for himself when it comes to larkin that he's really the one guy that they, i think they played much but he has a, a shoulder injury and they're apparently operating as if not going to play in this series so yeah we'll see what happens i'm rooting 
rooting for Boston being able to pull something out. I think they can make things more difficult on Cleveland than maybe any team except for Golden State. But even then, you know, there's not a Steph Curry to attack. But the, you've also got Clay Thompson as the two for Golden State, who is someone that LeBron actually has not been that successful trying to post up. And, and of course, you know, Boston is not a great transition Golden State. You know, so I think Golden State's probably still a little bit better defensively against this Cleveland team Boston is. But I think they, if you had to construct a team that was realistic that could defend these guys, Boss certainly right up. But uh, nonetheless, I'm still thinking. Um, all right, you want to talk a little Pelicans offseason here? Let's do it. Start with some of the fundamentals. The Pelicans are going to be over the salary cap. That is not really big news. The constraint that they're probably dealing with, we don't know this for sure. You know, Tom Benson passed away during the past year. His wife took over the team. Whether Gail Benson is going to be willing to pay the luxury tax is, is something we just don't know right now. I am treating that as a constraint for the time being. If you do so, if you exclude all of their unrestricted free agents, along with the non-guarantees for DeAndre Liggins and Ameko Okafor, assuming they pick up Darius Miller because they have to. That would leave the Pelicans with $27 million in wiggle room underneath the luxury tax with nine roster spots spoken for. They do not have their own draft first-round pick this year. So if you count in the minimums and everything like that, that really means if they wanted to bring back both DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo without dumping any salary currently on their books, they have about $25 million. And before Cousins tore his Achilles, of course, that really would have been impossible. Now, though, I mean, the, the, some of the numbers that were being talked about for Cousins of two to three years for something less than the max i mean that's something you can start to potentially get around and another reason why i might like that today i think it's pretty clear that he's not a great fit here they do need more talent i don't think that if you're i mean because now that's the question right they made it to the second round although maybe they don't next year and so now the question they had a great matchup you know if they had to go up against say like the wolves or something in the first round i'm not sure that they them or the jazz or the thunder but if you're really trying to get into contention and that's still despite the fact that they made some steps this year that's what they need right anthony davis only two years left on that contract now this is a critical year i think if they have a similar season to this year next year there's still going to be talk that ad is going to be leaving although uh ad he made all nba two years in a row right or or he will make it this year almost certain so that'll be two years in a row so that means he'll be eligible for the designated veteran extension next summer regardless so i think any chance of him being traded before they can offer him that unless he simply says no i don't want it uh are not gonna happen so he's probably there until at least next summer but they gotta get better next year i think just like getting completely blown out of the building by the Warriors and ultimately going to make them want to stay even if it was. Yeah, the pressure on New Orleans is pretty severe because of Davis's timeline. And it's also challenging because while New Orleans could theoretically clear cap space for the 2019 offseason because they have a couple guys, Alexei Agensa, Nikola Mirotic among them, who are coming off the books after the 2018-19 season, then you're starting to get right in line because Davis has that player option for 2020-21. So you'd be in the kind of the going into the final year of his contract and that gives cousins a lot of leverage because they don't have the cap space to replace him but he loses leverage because he's coming off this achilles injury and because they played very well without him i mean they won a a series in a sweep an impressive sweep over the portland trailblazers even though the pelicans will need to do more than that probably unless davis is so risk averse that he just wants to take the designated veteran if it's offered well and this is another factor too cousins is 20 
27 this off so it'd be 29 years that is when ad's if they this is even if they do keep AD, that his new contract kicks in at 38 million and so then depending on how much pay cousins if you're paying him even as much as 25 million per season between drew at 26 million cousins at 25 and ad at 38 now you're almost at 90 million for the 2021 or, or, or the 2019-20 season no, i'm sorry that's wrong it would be the 2020-21 season and the cap might be 110 million right there so there's really with ad making that much and drew and you want to bring in cousins too i, I think there's really in planning for that year i don't think there'd be any way that all three of those guys could be together if ad is starting the extension um so here is your option danny let's say that in fact cousins value is something like you know a two plus one at 23 million dollars i don't know if that ends up being what it is maybe they'll pay him more than that you've got that option or you can use the bae or do they use the bae on ronda last year they did so they or did. was it that might have just been no i think that was it, they, that was just part of their ml most likely so they they'll have the bae they would have the full mle this year they would also have rondo's non-bird rights by which they could pay him about four million dollars and they would have enough breathing space they could probably bring back rondo for that price if he would be willing to come back for that price and use the bae and the full mle be close there would you rather do that or would you rather bring back cousins as a point of clarification are you meaning two plus one in the way we usually use it where the plus one is a player option rather than a team yeah. option oh because well, that okay. makes I it mean, even less favorable for even, them let's let's not even say that let's just say a well, straight three that it's even let's not even talk about beyond next year let's just say for next year you can have post achilles to marcus cousins for 25 million or you can and then just fill out with minimums or you can have rondo full mle and the ba temporarily setting aside the human element i'll get to that in a second it's just better to talk about in the abstract first i would rather have door b the non-cousins option just because there's so much of a risk of what is cousins going going to be and his athleticism for his size has been an important part of cousin's success so far and maybe he gets even worse defensively that could be yeah. a big concern and the human element though is important to talk about because anthony davis has to accept that designated veteran and so if, if the pelicans just cut this guy loose who they traded for who you know they didn't give up a ton to get cousins and it, the team was successful with him i mean that the best game they played this entire season with cousins was the game he got got hurt they beat the houston rockets that was a very impressive win for them so if that basically would cause anthony davis to not sign the designated veteran contract then i would be i would be willing to take cousins if it were an understood cost of bringing davis back yeah i I mean and you mentioned the human element to me part of that is i mean let's say it is that davis wants him back as of now and you feel like okay we can appease it ad the the history of making moves to appease a star is not good and so if you if it is in fact your evaluation i'm not sure it would be but i think it's both of ours and also you know this this could be in flux too right if they have a guy they think is really going to help them at the full mid level then it makes it a lot easier to say goodbye because if you don't have that guy we could talk about who those guys might be in a second if you don't have that guy then it becomes a lot easier to bring back cousins if there isn't really you know much behind door b so you can you might be you know maybe you start off the off season by trying to get an idea of what's out there that's going to inform what your offer is going to be to cousin uh but back to davis i'm not sure that that's the case that he is like oh i really need demarcus cousins on this team that's what i want but if he does feel that way of making a move just to appease a star has a very bad history the, the way to get the guy to stick around is you have the best possible team and so i think if you're well good yeah i mean that's that's true but they're already kind of in the situation they are i mean it's a lot harder to build that team around davis now than it would have been three years ago and trading oh, away yeah, all but, the picks but i'm saying and, and if it's like your that. evaluation that you know building in some some depth pieces getting more on the wing making davis play 
play center as well which he kind of doesn't want to but they've had a ton of success with I, I think you have to just go against what he wants right now and just trust in your own evaluation of making the team good because whether you appease him or not if the team isn't good it doesn't matter whether you've appeased him he's gonna leave so, so you, you gotta do what you think is gonna make the team the best and if that doesn't work and he wants to leave anyway well he was probably gone regardless let's talk a little bit about what the options theoretically would be with the mid-level exception the pelicans biggest need pretty clearly to me is at small forward they've been playing each one more out of position at the at the three i like him as a as a shooting guard he's just he's not versatile enough I and mean, we saw it, kevin durant just using him as a ball rack for portions of of the series and i thought more did as as well as you could expect given his limitations and they also had drew on him and a bunch of other guys the problem for the pelicans is congratulations you have a need at the most scarce position in the nba and a position where the players who are available actually who are starter caliber actually have enough leverage to get more than the mid-level even though there are not many teams with cap space yeah well let's turn to that now i mean who among guys who could realistically be available for the mid-level would you want to get i mean the, the number one guy that sticks out to me is lukumba mute you might even be able to get him for cheaper than yep. that uh we'll see uh although especially if the rockets beat the warriors his price is going to go way up he'll likely be a big part of that uh you know maybe someone like garrett temple could decline his player option in sacramento probably he and he probably won't be as expensive but he might have to go for more years you know you can go with a flyer route with like a glenn robinson the third type of guy uh maybe a rudy gay type is someone that you could look at gay is a little better defensively this year though he's not certainly the solution against someone like kevin durant but i mean it's really other than and, and then danny green maybe if he opts out could be someone that that they could look at for the full mid-level but really of anyone who even could possibly be available remember green's player opts 10 million and he's 31 and he hasn't looked good this last year there's basically guys who are going to make a difference for you on the wing danny green trevor arisa although man if you sign him to longer than two years good luck with that luke and Mute, maybe james ennis if you want to squint hard those are really like the four guys that i'm looking at where you're just you're not going to just get completely worked by kevin durant and you have, you got to beat kevin durant if you want anthony davis stick around or you got to at least do something other than you know a gentleman's sweep in the second round there also are not even that many flyer guys you mentioned a couple even you know like travion graham i don't think really fits that yeah. bill it's going to be super tough to and if a player is good enough for the pelicans a restricted guy like graham is good enough for the pelicans to offer them a bunch of money then you would expect their team to match because even though the hornets are pretty hamstrung they could evaluate him pretty highly and then a lot of the other players that are on the market there are capable wings this year but most of them are on the shooting guard side and that's the exact problem that the pelicans are dealing with in the first place kcp avery bradley those guys are capable defenders and can hit threes but they can't really defend other teams small forward yeah and and i mean there's a lot of guys out there who could help them in the regular season uh that could help them against 25 of the team in the nba but that's that's not what the inquiry is anymore so congratulations you got to the second round and now you got to figure out a way to do even better and and i'm not sure what that is i also think that the other reason finding someone on the wing is paramount is i think they need to get rondo maybe you can start him but you can't be as reliant on him defensively he just loses guys he's not physical he can't switch he's okay help defender sometimes but you know and he's 32 it's only he's only going to slow down and then on offense this pell's offense that was so completely unstoppable the pick and roll game that was so unstoppable against the blazers all of a sudden with rondo out there it became so much easier to guard they put draymond green on him i i noted this in game five of that warriors pals game uh series that on this is a very rough estimate just seeing game live but between one third and one half of pelican sessions saw an action be stopped by someone helping off of rage on rondo a lot of times that was at trying to roll to the rim and getting stopped 
stop there by someone helping off of Rado. Rado, yeah, okay, a couple possessions, he hit a three. Uh, but I think he really can be an offensive liability a lot of the times when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Obviously, he's massive downgrade. And then on defense, he's just going to not have enough size. I mean, if you could go, if you had a lineup that was decent guy with size, Etuan Moore and Drew Holiday, okay, now you're talking about maybe when we get our worst matchup and we have to switch, we've got Holiday or we've got more on someone like Kevin Durant. And that's, you know, Kevin Durant can score on that guy pretty well, but it's not like just a disaster, got to send help immediately. You know, you can live with that matchup happening five times a game. If you throw in Holiday, it has to be the primary guy and then Rondo is the guy who could get switched on. Now you're in much more trouble than that. So I think that's another thing. I think Rondo, just because he was effective this year, he's a good leader. Uh, if you can bring him back for just his non-bird right, they should do that, but they need to not be relying on him in the playoffs. And my fear is that if they don't bring back Cousin, that instead they would react by giving some of their exception, their full mid-level exception to Rondo. And that I think would be a disaster. Especially because they have a lot of other things to consider. Wing is the priority. Ameka Okafor has a non-guaranteed year, but there is a consideration depending on what Okafor wants. If he's willing to take one year at the minimum, they could restructure it by declining that, by basically letting him go, assuming nobody claims him, and then bringing him back. Because when a player signs a two-year or multi-year minimum deal, the league does not subsidize the difference between second-year salary and and what that guy actually makes. So for Okafor's case, a 10-plus-year veteran, that can be a, a lot of money. So they could try to save a little bit there. And that also is true in terms of the lecture tax. And all that. I, I could totally see that happening if it, if it makes sense for both sides. I believe his is structured as a non-guarantee rather than a team option. It would be smart if they had structured the other way. I just don't know for sure. And if they just wanted to go for a different center, they could certainly upgrade over Okafor if they were willing to spend a little bit more money. I just think that's not necessarily what the Pelican should do because of the needs of other places. I, I, I'm having Nerlens Noel, who they actually drafted. You know, having Noel would be awesome. I'd be the, the Davis Noel combination is something that intrigued me back in the day when they when they drafted him and immediately d- moved him in the Drew Holiday trade. But there are a lot of centers that if they were willing to go above the minimum, but because New Orleans has a lot of playing time to offer at bare minimum in the regular season, I could absolutely see somebody just taking that job because it's the best opportunity that's around. All right, a couple more questions I want to pose here. One is Cousins is not returned. You can't agree with him on a reasonable contract. Who is the one man that you are going after full bore, full mid-level exception contract for four years, close to forty million dollars? Oh God, four years from Bob Mute scares yeah, the crap 31. out of me. But I mean, you, you but but you probably yeah. That's probably what you're going to do. I think we'll see. You know, you're gonna you're probably underpaying on the front end for some of these guys. But so you got to throw more years. That's your only option. Yeah. So he'd be my priority though because forward versatility can hit open shots. Think he fits better. Kind of like a superior version of what they wanted Solomon Hill to be. And it sucks that you have to throw money at both those guys because Solomon Hill is still under contract. But I think he's the best the best one to yeah, go. Yeah. You off might with. say he's a defensive limitation, but as an off ball guy, I'd probably rather have him as an off ball guy than Rondo. Uh, and you know, and then you just give the ball to Drew Hall or give it to Etron Moore, or and you'd have to get a backup point guard. But you know, those those can be found. Uh, yeah, that would probably be the guy. I probably I, I might even and just hope that he stays healthy. Hope that he uh, it might end up being a bad contract. That's a risk, obviously. Uh, but but I, I suspect though. So so my next question is, uh, I will ask you nicely, but also know that I have a gun in my bag available to use on you if you don't answer the question. Uh, By the way, you don't have to ask me nicely. All I was saying on that back in the day was you don't you don't have to put a gun in my head. I'll answer it without that. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just. I, I, you I'm want just, to? Uh, you can you can ratchet. You can you can you yeah, can be the wild uh, card probably, and cut the brakes if you want. Yeah, I just well, don't enjoy I, it. I think it's it's more realistic though because that's probably like uh, indicative of the pressure that Dell Dumps is feeling now. Uh, he fought. This is great, right? He finally gets a reprieve from 
oh your job might be in jeopardy to oh yeah but if you don't make this team good this year ad is probably gonna have to get traded next year you know that's like uh <laughs> that that's plenty of pressure so i'm just trying to simulate what Dems is going through here but um do you believe that Mar- demarcus cousins will be on this team too i do i think they'll figure it out and the biggest reason why i think it's going to happen is the lack of other suitors especially if dallas either gets a and more intriguing option in free agency or the other elephant in the room is if they end up in position to draft somebody because if dallas can get Aiton, if they can get maybe mo bamba i don't know exactly how they're feeling about their big man board in carlisle system i think demarcus would be fascinating but i don't think he's a requirement and then you look at the other teams that have max or max s space and and they aren't there and i heartily enjoy certain hypotheticals relating to cousins i think that the sign and trade prospect is worth discussing and thinking about because now is when those are going to come back into vogue the problem is needing you know needing three people to turn the key but meaning both teams and cousins is going to be really hard and let's say it's a wizards deal i think it's extremely challenging to a get the money to work because the wizards would be hard capped and b to get the compensation right where everybody's going to be happy because the wizards would probably be trying to do that trade without sacrificing auto porter if they can manage it and i think those are just too they're they're intriguing but i think they're unlikely yeah and of course i mean just the, the idea that cousins is going to come back as the same guy i mean it's so hard to get that in mind but i mean there's really been maybe two or three guys and these aren't even big men who have come back at close same level and one of them was dominique wilkins somehow uh and, and that's like dominique wilkins was an elite athlete you know i mean especially i think we found that for guys who the worst athlete that you are the more the torn achilles seems to affect so that's probably why it effect, seems to affect big also all right i think we can wrap up here though thanks so much for listening we will be back sunday night probably very late i would guess uh because i'll be flying back but uh we'll have time to watch the game talk about it on sunday and continue of course uh, our off-season preview series uh, as well talk to y'all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.